Now, I know that you see on the screen that you're back in the book of Romans. You had a reprieve from the book of Romans last week, but I'm not going to let you go. You may never again hear a pastor preach through the book of Romans. This, in all my life, going, growing up in church, never have I heard a pastor preach through the book of Romans. The book of Romans is one of the most significant books of our Bible. It outlines the basics of Christianity as Paul saw it, and it introduces us to some of the most encouraging, hopeful uh, things about the Christian life that we're going to see uh, shortly as we go through it. But this morning we need to look at the seventh chapter of the book of Romans. Let me tell you the general principles that we've been using are some, some foundational, I guess, theorems that we've used or are developed across the way, and that is that Paul has said that when Adam sinned, all the consequences of Adam's sin became mine automatically. I didn't just become a sinner when I sinned. I became a sinner when Adam sinned. And so something terribly was broken in the human soul. The whole universe was broken as a result of Adam's sin. And Paul has said that the only way that can be reversed is through Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection. And when I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, all the consequences of Christ's death and resurrection become mine. I'm no longer in Adam. I am in Christ. And in chapter 6, let me just give you the flow of what he said. I have been baptized into Christ. Now, that's not about water. That's about being put into Christ, immersed into Christ, into Christ's life. He said we've been buried with him by baptism into death. We have been united with him in a death like his so that we will also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Our old self was crucified with him. Paul said in Romans 6, 8, Now if we have died with Christ, we believe also that we shall live with him. And our verse that we've used sort of to connect all this or to help us wrap our mind around it is Galatians 2.20, not a verse from Romans, but a verse that essentially says this same thing, where Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ, yet it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so in chapter 7, Paul sets out to tell us about the believer's new relationship in Christ. But before he does, he wants to be very careful to show you that everything that God does is legal. If you get out of one relationship, and we're talking about marriage here, we're going to be talking about it in a little bit. You get out of one relationship and get into another, you better be sure that it's legal. And that's what he's going to show us here as we move to Romans chapter 7, verse 1. I want you to look. Now, what Paul does is he's a master at argument. And he's going to lay down a general principle that everybody can see. And he's going to use this as the basis of his argument. And then it's in this first verse. He says, or do you not know, brothers? Don't everybody know this? Doesn't everybody have this common knowledge? For I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law 
is binding on a person. It's binding on a person. Only as long as he lives. But it is binding. Now that's Paul's general principle. He's talking about God's law. They, they'd all be in agreement. I'm, I suppose you agree that God's law is binding. Uh, it's binding every day of a man's life. You have to follow God's law. Failing to obey God's law is sin and punishable by death. In fact, that's the way Paul ended the sixth chapter. If you look one verse up, he says the wages of sin is death. But in this general principle, Paul observes one moment, one moment when the law is no longer binding. It is binding on a person as long as that person lives, but only as long as he lives. Have you ever seen a police car drive up to the cemetery and try to arrest a dead person? No, because that he's not going to chase a dead person. He's not going to deliver a traffic ticket to a dead person. The law is not going to take a dead person to court. Now, we can argue about estates and all that, but the person himself is the law. He's over with the law. He's through with the law. Now, Paul's not talking just about what happens to a person in eternity. He's talking about practical matters and how death impacts even the law of God. Now, this is a general principle only. It's not his main point. He lays down this general principle that everybody's going to agree with. You know this. The law is binding, but when you die, the law is not even binding anymore. What do you, what do you mean the law is not binding anymore when you die? Well, now he gives you his uh, illustration. It's in verses 2 and 3. So we're going to go to chapter 7. Verses 2 and 3, we looked at Paul's general principle, now in verses 2 and 3, and look at this illustration. He says, For a married woman is bound by law, he's still talking about the law, bound by law to her husband while he lives. But if her husband dies, she's released from the law of marriage. The law was binding on her as long as her husband lived, but when her husband died, She's released from that law. Accordingly, he says, she'll be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she's free from that law. And if she marries another man, she's not an adulteress. Paul says, you know this. That's my point. The law is binding as long as you live. But when you die, it's not. And here's my illustration. So this is the second point is Paul's illustration. His illustration is marriage. He's talking about marriage. Now we're talking about marriage because Paul's talking about a new relationship, a new relationship, your new relationship if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this was God's law. They knew God's law. They knew that it was binding, uh, but the law, the law no longer applies. When, when the husband dies, then the wife can marry, and he's just giving that illustration because it applies to the law, and it's about, it, it, it is specifically the law of relationships. Now, we need to get ahead of Paul just a little bit here. Let me tell you why. Because he's about to slip in another argument from the other side of that argument. Paul's, Paul's a very slippery guy. And so he's about to slip this in on these people. As a matter of fact, when you read it, if you read this, you get confused when you read it. You have to be honest. It even confuses us when we read it. Because he's talking about a husband and a husband dying and then all of a sudden he's talking about the law and us, and so I'll show you. What if the wife dies? He said the husband, if the husband dies, the wife is free from the law. What if the wife dies? 
Is the wife still married to the husband? Can the husband come to the cemetery and say, get up from that coffin and fix me some biscuits? Go get me a glass of tea. Can he ask her to do, no, 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 no. That wife's dead. He's not, she's not his wife anymore. She's dead. That relationship broken by death. By law, she's not his wife anymore because she's dead. It, it, applies, only, it applies not only to the living partner, it applies to the partner who's, who's died. Both are released from the law in regard to that former relationship. Well, why do we need to get ahead of Paul? Because that's exactly what he's going to say in verse 4. Look very carefully at Romans 7, 4. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ. Remember that principle that we talked about, or that theorem that Paul used, that when you put your faith in Christ, whatever was true of Christ is true of you. When he died, you died. When he arose, you arose. His victory over sin is your victory over sin. His hope of heaven is your hope of heaven. Everything that is true of Christ is true of you when you put your faith in Him. It's not about you and what you can do. It's all about what Christ and what He wants to do and what He is able to do in you and through you. So here's Paul's application of this illustration. First, the general principle. Then the illustration. Now the application. Now in case you're uh, having trouble following his logic, he's talking about husband and wife relationships and the law. When the husband dies, the wife can do whatever she wants to. But also when the wife dies, then she's no longer connected to that husband anymore. That relationship is essentially broken. And so he wants us to see that everything God does is legal. He wants us to see how the law is fulfilled. It's not just set aside. And so Paul takes this illustration and he, he flips it completely. Now he talks about us as if before we're married to the law. We're under bondage to the law. We have to do what the old husband tells us to do. We're connected to the law in that way. The old husband is a tyrant. It tells us what to do and when to do it. The old husband condemns us. The old husband, all the old husband does is tells us what we do wrong. That's the law. The old husband uh, shows up our failings and our shortcomings all the time. We can never do anything right in that relationship with the old husband. And it seems to be that there's no way out of that relationship unless the old husband dies and it's the law and the law's not going to die. So essentially, you do. And when you die and you died in Christ and he's been telling us that all along, and now uh, suddenly we're back to chapter 6, being, ba being baptized into Christ's death. And so Paul says here, Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ. When I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is important, and it's eternally important. All the consequences of his death on the cross become mine. He died. He died for me. He died in my place. The consequences of his death on the cross of mine, those consequences include victory over sin, forgiveness from sin, the hope of heaven. We use the illustration and we use it again this morning of the thief on the cross. When the thief on the cross reached out in faith to Jesus, the thief on the cross was as guilty, as sinful, as sorry as the other thief on the cross. 
He was as doomed as the other thief on the cross. He was dying for his sin just like the other thief on the cross. But when he reached out in faith to Jesus Christ, Jesus said to him in that moment, Today you will be with me in paradise. All the consequences of what was happening to Jesus and what was being accomplished through Jesus became his in one sweeping moment. Jesus announced it on the cross. Listen to me. Mark it down. When you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, all the consequences of what were accomplished on the cross and through the resurrection of Jesus Christ become yours in one sweeping moment. They're yours. It's the same for every person who puts their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we need to talk about this believer's new relationship. And as a result, Paul says, you belong to another. Now, that's, 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 that's what the situation is. You belong to another. And it's important for you to see that. I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I but Christ liveth in me, and I belong to another. Now, many of you have heard the song Beulah Land. And uh, what's the song Beulah Land about? It's about heaven. The song's about heaven. But the verse in the Bible is not about heaven. Let me share with you the verse in the Bible from Isaiah chapter 62, verse 4. The verse in the, in the Bible is about marriage. Marriage. Here it is. Thou shalt no more be termed forsaken. Now what God's doing basically in the Old Testament is talking about a time in the life of his people when the tables are going to be flipped. They've been in a a situation where they feel forsaken, abandoned, not loved, not cared for. You're no longer going to be called forsaken. Neither shall thy land any more be termed desolate, but thou shalt be called Hephzibah. Hephzibah means his delight is in her. And thy land shall be called Beulah. You know what Beulah means? Married. That's what it means. Married. For the Lord delighteth in thee, and thy land shall be married. You belong to another. Whereas before you were constantly condemned because you failed to measure up, you only served that old husband the law out of fear, uh, out of fear of punishment. Now you're in a relationship that's entirely different. You're in a relationship based on love. And you're loved, and you know you're loved, and you're cared for. And everything that belongs to that husband belongs to you. That's the way I tell my wife that all the time. We have that conversation because that's the way we entered our marriage. That everything, it would be mutual. Everything that is mine is hers. She doesn't have to ask for it. It is hers. That's, That's her right of marriage. Not only is it her right of marriage, I want that that for her because I love her. I care about her. I want to take care of her. That's why I married her to begin with, to take care of her. I need to do a better job of that sometimes, but that's that's my passion. I want to do that. But nobody can take care of you like the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is his, what he wants to do as you enter this new relationship with him. And now we're going to talk about this new relationship and four characteristics of this new relationship found in these verses. First, this relationship is based on new passions. New passions. Look at verse 5. 
For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. What were the passions of that old relationship? It says simply they were sinful passions and those passions controlled us. Even when the law said, you're not supposed to do that, you know what we wanted to do? We wanted to do it that much more. The, the, the seventh chapter is about this, and we'll learn more about that later. It seemed to arouse, arouse our, uh, and inflame our own brokenness, deepening, deepening our brokenness and our distance from God. And Paul said the product, the fruit of that old relationship was death. That's because the wages of sin is death. But now we have new passions. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled now you want to be what God wants you to be. You want to be who God wants you to be. And we'll talk about that more in a little bit. Paul said in, in Romans 6, 20 and 21, when you were slaves of sin, you were, you were free in regard to righteousness. And what fruit were you getting at that time from those things of which you're now ashamed? You, you got shame, you got guilt, and you got death. I don't want guilt and shame. I want peace with God. That's the passion of my soul. And Paul described those passions in the book of Colossians in exactly the same way that he's been describing them in the book of Romans. I know you think, well, Brother Eddie, all this stuff about the consequences of Christ's death being mine, the consequences of his resurrection being mine, and me being dead when I put my faith in Christ, I've never read that anywhere in the Bible. Well, I'm telling you, it's everywhere in Paul. It's in Galatians 2.20. Listen to Colossians 3, verses 1 through 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things. Here's your passions. Seek the things which are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Why? Because you have died and your life is hid with Christ in God. So this new relationship is based on new passions. Second, this new relationship is based on a new purpose. Look back at verse 4. Paul said, you've died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another in order that, here he's about to tell us, he's about to tell us this new purpose. You, 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 you've died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another in order that you may bear fruit for God. This becomes our new passion. We delight to serve Him. I want to serve the Lord. I want to please the Lord. If you dread serving God or serving His people and your only, your only desire is to be served, something is dreadfully broken in your relationship with God. We want to serve Him because we want to bear fruit for God. That is our purpose. We want to see other people come into the kingdom. In that other relationship, we only bore fruit for death, but this is an entirely new relationship. And in verse 6, we encounter one of these tremendous moments of change introduced to us by the words Paul's already used a couple of times before in the book of Romans, and that is, but now. That's an important transition for Paul. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Someone has said that the sixth verse of the seventh chapter of Romans is fully explained in the eighth chapter of Romans. This sixth verse is a very important verse 
because it tells us not only that our relationship is based on new passions and a new purpose, but third, our relationship is based on a new power. How did we live before? Paul said we lived in the flesh, which meant living in the flesh is trying. It's trying to serve God and trying to please God and trying to obey the law. Some of you are still doing that. That's exactly what you're doing every day. I'm trying How's that working out for you, that trying business? If you read the rest of the seventh chapter of Romans, Paul will tell you how it worked out for him. It was an utter failure. Trying is failure. Trying in the flesh is failure. Trying to, you can't do it. You can't live the life. You can't live it following a written code. You can't do it following rules and regulations. You can only do it through the power of the Spirit. Paul talks about the new way of the Spirit. So he says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live. The life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The new way of the Spirit. There's a new power at work in me and through me. So that Paul could say in the book of Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I live by faith in the love of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Can I, can I ask you a question? Is that how you're living your life? Is your life a life of failure or a life of bearing fruit for God? Is your life a life of defeat or victory? Do you feel abandoned, forsaken, and forgotten? When instead God wants you to know that you belong to him, that his delight is in you, and your delight is to be in him because you are married to him and you belong to him. Think of that. Think of it this morning that Christ is giving you an invitation that he's proposing marriage to you because that's exactly what it is. He says, I want you to be mine. I want to take care of you. I'm I, I preparing a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. And the Bible says one day we're going to hear the shout, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. He, he wants you to belong to him. So forth, this relationship is based on a new priority. What is our new priority? Well, it connects back to chapter 6, verse 17. It's based on something Paul called obedience from the heart. You ever been in an old relationship, a marriage relationship? Some of you have, unfortunately. And it wasn't very happy. And it was broken. And you were miserable. And you knew you were in the wrong place. Sadly, that's happened sometimes. But now you're in another relationship and there's joy. And it's not perfect, but... It's different. Or as I was talking to somebody earlier, service, you had an old job and you hated that job. You, every morning you hated to think that you had to get up and go to that job. You, you hated the job. You hated yourself. You hated your wife. You hated your kids. You hated the people at work because the job was terrible. The boss there told you what to do all the time. And then you got out of that job and you're in another job and you love that job. You get up every morning. You look forward to going. You're happy when you come home. There's a transformation. Paul's talking about a transformation. You don't serve anymore the old husband because you have to. You serve now Christ because you want to. Obedience from the heart. Last time Paul talked about slavery. This time he talks about marriage. Remember the Hebrew slave that we talked about? The Hebrew slave that, that somebody could get a slave and keep, the, keep another Hebrew for six years. And at the end of six years he had to, he had to let that guy go. 
let's just say I got Michael Van Nort there, and I said, Michael, you're going to be my slave. And he had to serve me for six years, cut my grass, shine my shoes, do whatever I, I told him to do, clean the railroad tracks, whatever I tell you to do, Michael, you have to do for six years. And at the end of six years, I've been so good to Michael. Michael says, you know, Brother Eddie's been so good to me. I've enjoyed living with Brother Eddie so. I don't think I want to leave. I think I just want to stay. That's the picture in the Old Testament of that Hebrew slave who says, I love my master. Man, my master's been good to me. I belong to him. He's been taking care of me. Why would I want to leave? Why would I want to be free? I want to serve my master. So what that master would do is he would take that slave and he would put his ear up against the doorpost of a house and he would take a, an awl, a, a, poke, a poke thing, and he would hammer a hole in his ear which would tell everybody, he belongs to me. He loves me. He wants to stay with me. I've been taking care of him. I'm going to continue to take care of him. This is the picture here. But Paul's picture is better than that. It concerns marriage. It's not serving God because we have to. It's serving God because that has become the priority of our hearts. What if you should discover that today, in this service, the Lord Jesus Christ himself was inviting you into such a relationship so that you would belong to him, so that all the consequences of his death on the cross would in one sweeping moment become yours. All the riches of his glory in one sweeping moment become yours. The promise of heaven in one sweeping moment become yours. That's the picture Paul is painting here. When you put your faith in Christ, everything that Christ has accomplished belongs to you because you belong to him. No longer forsaken, no longer forgotten, no longer desolate, no longer barren. His delight is in you. You'll be called Beulah, married. You belong to him. Do you want to belong to the devil? I don't think so. Do you want to belong to Jesus? I think so. I hope so. Let's pray.